Section 33 of A Popular History of France, Volume 5. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Popular History of France from the Earliest Times, Volume 5, by François Guizot. Translated by Robert Black. Chapter 41. Louis XIII, Cardinal Richelieu, and Foreign Affairs, Part 4. This was Cardinal Richelieu's distinction, that all his contemporaries, in the same way as Voiture, identified the mishaps and the successes of their country with his own fortunes, and that upon him alone were fixed the eyes of Europe, whether friendly or hostile, when it supported or when it fought against France. For four years the war was carried on with desperation by land and sea in the Low Countries, in Germany and in Italy, with alternations of success and reverse. The actors disappeared one after another from the scene. The Emperor, Ferdinand II, had died on the 15th of February, 1637. The election of his son, Ferdinand III, had not been recognized by France and Sweden. Bernard of Saxe-Weimar succumbed at thirty-four years of age on the 15th of July, 1639, after having beaten in the preceding year the celebrated John van Veert, whom he sent a prisoner to Paris. At his death, the Landgravat of Alsace reverted to France, together with the town of Brissach, which he had won from the imperialists. The Duke of Savoy had died in 1637. His widow, Christine of France, daughter of Henry IV, was, so far as her brother's cause in Italy was concerned, but a poor support. But Count d'Arcourt, having succeeded as head of the army, Cardinal Valette, who died in 1638, had retaken Turin and Casale from the imperialists in the campaign of 1640. Two years later, in the month of June, 1642, the princes Thomas and Maurice, brothers-in-law of the Duchess Christine, wearied out by the maladdress and haughtiness of the Spaniards, attached themselves definitively to the interests of France, drove out the Spanish garrisons from Nice and Evria, in concert with the Duke of Longueville, and retook the fortress of Tortona as well as all Milaness to the south of the Po. Perpignan, besieged for more than two years past by the king's armies, capitulated at the same moment. Spain, hard-pressed at home by the insurrection of the Catalans and the revolt of Portugal at the same time, both supported by Richelieu, saw Arras fall into the hands of France, on August ninth, 1640, and the plot contrived with the Duke of Bouillon and the Count of Soissons fail at the Battle of La Marfée, where this latter prince was killed on the 16th of July, 1641. In Germany, Marshal Gebriant and the Swedish general Torstensen, so paralyzed that he had himself carried in a litter to the head of his army, had just won back from the empire Silesia, Moravia, and nearly all Saxony. The chances of war were everywhere favorable to France, a just recompense for the indomitable perseverance of Cardinal Richelieu through good and evil fortune. Quote, the great tree of the house of austria was shaken to its very roots and he had all but felled that trunk which with its two branches covers the north and the west and throws a shadow over the rest of the earth lettre de malherbe the king for a moment shaken in his fidelity towards his minister by the intrigues of saint mars had returned to the cardinal with all the impetus of the indignation caused by the guilty treaty made by his favourite with spain all Europe thought as the young captain in the guards, afterwards Marshal Faber, who, when the king said to him, quote, I know that my army is divided into two factions, royalists and cardinalists. Which are you for? End quote. Answered, quote, Cardinalists, sir, for the cardinalist party is yours. End quote. The cardinal and France were triumphing together, but the conqueror was dying. Cardinal Richelieu had just been removed from Ruel to Paris. For several months past, the cardinal's health, always precarious, had taken a serious turn. 
It was from his sick-bed that he, a prey to cruel agonies, directed the movements of the army, and at the same time the prosecution of Saint-Marc. All at once his chest was attacked, and the cardinal felt that he was dying. On the 2nd of December, 1642, public prayers were ordered in all the churches. The king went from Saint-Germain to see his minister. The cardinal was quite prepared. Quote, I have this satisfaction, he said, that I have never deserted the king, and that I leave his kingdom exalted and all his enemies abased. He commended his relatives to his majesty, quote, who on their behalf will remember my services. Then, naming the two secretaries of state, Chavigny and de Noyer, he added, quote, Your majesty has Cardinal Mazarin. I believe him to be capable of serving the king. End quote and he handed to louis the thirteenth a proclamation which he had just prepared for the purpose of excluding the duke of orleans from any right to the regency in case of the king's death the preamble called to mind that the king had five times already pardoned his brother recently engaged in a new plot against him the king had left the cardinal but without returning to st germain he remained at the louvre richelieu had in vain questioned the physicians as to how long he had to live One one only dared to go beyond commonplace hopes quote, monseigneur he said in twenty-four hours you will be dead or cured quote, that is the way to speak said the cardinal and he sent for the priest of saint eustache his parish as they were bringing into his chamber the holy eucharist he stretched out his hand and quote, there said he is my judge before whom i shall soon appear i pray him with all my heart to condemn me if i have ever had any other aim than the welfare of religion and of the state End quote. The priest would have omitted certain customary questions, but, quote, "'Treat me as the commonest of Christians,' said the cardinal, and when he was asked to pardon his enemies, quote, "'I never had any but those of the state,' answered the dying man. The cardinal's family surrounded his bed, and the attendance was numerous. The bishop of Lisieux, Cospedin, a man of small wits but of sincere devoutness, listened attentively to the firm speech, the calm declarations of the expiring minister, quote, so much self-confidence appalls me he said below his breath richelieu died as he had lived without scruples and without delicacies of conscience absorbed by his great aim and but little concerned about the means he had employed to arrive at it quote, i believe absolutely all the truths taught by the church he had said to his confessor and this faith sufficed for his repose the memory of the scaffolds he had caused to be erected did not so much as recur to his mind quote, I have loved justice and not vengeance. I have been severe towards some in order to be kind towards all, he had said in his will, written in Latin. He thought just the same on his deathbed. The king left him, not without emotion and regret. The cardinal begged Madame d'Aiguillon, his niece, to withdraw. Quote, she is the one whom I have loved most, he said. Those around him were convulsed with weeping. A Carmelite whom he had sent for turned to those present and, Quote, let those he said who cannot refrain from showing the excess of their weeping and their lamentation leave the room let us pray for this soul in presence of the majesty of death and eternity human grandeur disappears irrevocably the all-powerful minister was at that moment only this soul a last gasp announced his departure cardinal richelieu was dead he was dead but his work survived him on the very evening of the third of december louis the thirteenth called to his council cardinal mazarin and next day he wrote to the parliaments and governors of provinces quote, god having been pleased to take to himself the cardinal de richelieu i have resolved to preserve and keep up all establishments ordained during his ministry to follow out all projects arranged with him for affairs abroad and at home 
in such sort that there shall not be any change. I have continued in my councils the same persons as served me then, and I have called thereto Cardinal Mazarin, of whose capacity and devotion to my service I have had proof, and of whom I feel no less sure than if he had been born amongst my subjects. Scarcely had the most powerful kings yielded up their last breath, when their wishes had been at once forgotten. Cardinal Richelieu still governed in his grave. The king had distributed amongst his minister's relatives the offices and dignities which he had left vacant. The fortune that came to them was enormous. The legacies left to mere domestics amounted to more than three hundred thousand livres. During his lifetime, Richelieu had given to the crown, quote, my grand hotel, which I built and called Palais de Cardinal, my chapel, or chapel service, of gold, enriched with diamonds, my grand buffet of chased silver, and a large diamond that I bought of Lopez, end quote. In his will, he adds, quote, I most humbly beseech his majesty to think proper to have placed in his hands, out of the coined gold and silver that I have at my decease, the sum of fifteen hundred thousand livres, of which sum I can truly say that I made very good use for the great affairs of his kingdom, in such sort that if I had not had this money at my disposal, certain matters which have turned out well would have, to all appearances, turned out ill." which gives me ground for daring to beseech his majesty to destine this sum that i leave to him to be employed on diverse occasions which cannot abide the tardiness of financial forms the minister and priest who had destroyed the power of the grandees in france had nevertheless the true instinct respecting the perpetuation of families quote, inasmuch as it hath pleased god he says in his will to bless my labours and make them considered by the king my kind master showing recognition of them by his royal munificence beyond what i could hope for i have esteemed it a duty to bind my heirs to preserve the estate in my family in such sort that it may maintain itself for a long while in the dignity and splendour which it hath pleased the king to confer upon it in order that posterity may know that as i served him faithfully he by virtue of a complete kingliness knew what love to show me as i served him faithfully he by virtue of a complete kingliness knew what love to show me and how to load me with his benefits the cardinal had taken pleasure in embellishing the estate of richelieu in touraine where he was born and which the king had raised to a duchy peerage mademoiselle de montpensier in her memoir gives an account of a visit she paid to it in her youth quote, i passed she says along a very fine street of the town all the houses of which are in the best style of building one like another and quite newly made which is not to be wondered at messieurs de richelieu though gentlemen of good standing had never built a town they had been content with their village and with a mediocre house at the present time it is the most beautiful and most magnificent castle you could possibly see and all the ornament that could be given to a house is found there this will not be difficult to believe if one considers that it is the work of the most ambitious and most ostentatious man in the world premier minister of state too who for a long while possessed absolute authority over affairs it is nevertheless inconceivable that the apartments should correspond so ill in size with the beauty of the outside i hear that this arose from the fact that the cardinal wished to have the chamber preserved in which he was born to adjust the house of a simple gentleman to the grand ideas of the most powerful favourite there has ever been in france you will observe that the architect must have been hampered accordingly he did not see his way to planning any but very small quarters which by way of recompense as regards gilding or painting lack no embellishment inside 
Amidst all that modern invention has employed to embellish it, there are to be seen, on the chimney-piece in a drawing-room, the arms of Cardinal Richelieu, just as they were during the lifetime of his father, which the Cardinal desired to leave there, because they comprise a collar of the Holy Ghost, in order to prove to those, who are wont to misrepresent the origin of favourites, that he was born a gentleman of a good house. In this point he imposed upon nobody." the castle of richelieu is well-nigh destroyed his family after falling into poverty is extinct the palais cardinal has assumed the name of palais royal and pure monarchy the aim of all his efforts and the work of his whole life has been swept away by the blast of revolution of the cardinal there remains nothing but the great memory of his power and of the services he rendered his country evil has been spoken with good reason of glory it lasts however more durably than material successes even when they rest on the best security richelieu had no conception of that noblest ambition on which a human soul can feed that of governing a free country but he was one of the greatest the most effective and the boldest as well as the most prudent servants that france ever had cardinal richelieu gave his age whether admirers or adversaries the idea which malherbe expressed in a letter to one of his friends quote, you know that my humour is neither to flatter nor to lie. But I swear to you that there is in this man a something which surpasses humanity, and that if our bark is ever to outride the tempests, it will be whilst this glorious hand holds the rudder. Other pilots diminish my fear, this one makes me unconscious of it. Hitherto, when we had to build anew or repair some ruin, plaster alone was put in requisition. Now we see nothing but marble used, and whilst the councils are judicious and faithful, the execution is diligent and magnanimous. Wits, judgment, and courage never existed in any man to the degree that they do in him. As for interest, he knows none but that of the public. To that he clings with a passion so unbridled, if I may dare so to speak, that the visible injury it does his constitution is not capable of detaching him from it sees he anything useful to the king's service he goes at it without looking to one side or the other obstacles tempt him resistance piques him and nothing that is put in his way diverts him the disregard he shows of self and of all that touches himself as if he knew no sort of health or disease but the health or disease of the state causes all good men to fear that his life will not be long enough for him to see the fruit of what he plants and moreover it is quite evident that what he leaves undone can never be completed by any man that holds his place why man he does a thing because it has to be done the space between the rhine and the pyrenees seems to him not field enough for the lilies of france he would have them occupy the two shores of the mediterranean and waft their odours thence to the extremest countries of the orient measure by the extent of his designs the extent of his courage letters to raquin and to m de menton de Malherbe. the cardinal had been barely four months reposing in that chapel of the sorbonne which he had himself repaired for the purpose and already king louis the thirteenth was sinking into the tomb the minister had died at fifty-seven the king was not yet forty-two but his always languishing health seemed unable to bear the burden of affairs which had been but lately borne by richelieu alone the king had permitted his brother to appear again at court Quote, Monsieur supped with me, says Mademoiselle de Montpensier, and we had the twenty-four violins. He was as gay as if Messieurs Cinq-Mars and de Toux had not tarried by the way. I confess that I could not see him without thinking of them, and that in my joy I felt that his gave me a pang." The prisoners and exiles, by degrees, received their pardon. 
the duke of vendome bassompierre and marshal vitry had been empowered to return to their castles the duchess of chevreuse and the ex-keeper of the seals chateauneuf were alone excepted from this favour after the peace said the declaration touching the regency which the king got enregistered by the parliament on the twenty third of april the little dauphin who had merely been sprinkled had just received baptism in the chapel of the castle of st germain the king asked him next day if he knew what his name was quote, my name is louis the fourteenth answered the child not yet my son not yet said the king softly louis the thirteenth did not cling to life it had been sad and burdensome to him by the mere fact of his own melancholy and singular character not that god had denied him prosperity or success he had the windows opened of his chamber in the new castle of st germain looking towards the abbey of st denis where he had at last just laid the body of the queen his mother hitherto resting at cologne Quote, let me see my last resting-place he said to his servants the crowd of courtiers thronged to the old castle inhabited by the queen visits were made to the new castle to see the king who still worked with his ministers when he was alone quote, he was seen nearly always with his eyes open towards heaven as if he talked with god heart to heart memoire sur la mort de louis xiii by his valet de chambre dubois archive curieuse page four twenty eight on the twenty third of april it was believed that the last moment had arrived the king received extreme unction a dispute arose about the government of brittany given to the king by the duke of la Maire, and claimed by the duke of vendome the two claimants summoned their friends the queen took fright and being obliged to repair to the king committed the imprudence of confiding her children to the duke of beaufort vendome's eldest son a young scatterbrain who made a great noise about this favour the king rallied and appeared to regain strength he was sometimes irritated at sight of the courtiers who filled his chamber Quote, those gentry he said to his most confidential servants come to see how soon i shall die if i recover i will make them pay dearly for their desire to have me die the austere nature of louis the thirteenth was awakened again with the transitory return of his powers the severities of his reign were his own as much as cardinal richelieu's he was nevertheless dying asking god for deliverance it was thursday may fourteen friday has always been my lucky day said louis the thirteenth on that day i have undertaken assaults that i have carried i have even gained battles i should have liked to die on a friday his doctors told him that they could find no more pulse he raised his eyes to heaven and said out loud quote, my god receive me to mercy and addressing himself to all he added quote, let us pray then fixing his eyes upon the bishop of meaux he said quote, you will of course see when the time comes for reading the agony prayers i have marked them all everybody was praying and weeping the queen and all the court were kneeling in the king's chamber at three o'clock he softly breathed his last on the same day and almost at the same moment at which his father had died beneath the dagger of ravaillac thirty-three years before france owed to louis the thirteenth eighteen years of cardinal richelieu's government and that is a service which she can never forget Quote, the minister made his sovereign play the second part in the monarchy and the first in europe said montesquieu he abased the king but he exalted the reign it is to the honour of louis the thirteenth that he understood and accepted the position designed for him by providence in the government of his kingdom and that he upheld with dogged fidelity a power which often galled him all the while that it was serving him end of section thirty three end of chapter forty one